From the WIA News Hub in Hobart and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. This is WIA News for week commencing January 27th, 2013. This is Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. Well, it seems that our campaign to have the New South Wales Planning Department include provisions for amateur radio masts and antennas in the planning laws currently being revised, has had some effect. The New South Wales Minister for Planning and Infrastructure, the Honourable Brad Hazard MP, has asked the Planning Department to, quote, pay particular attention to this issue in finalising the State Environmental Planning Policy Amendment, end quote. How do I know that? Well, late in November I wrote to my local member, about my disappointment that exemptions for antenna masts for amateur radio use will not be considered in the current planning system review, despite many submissions to the review over the past year. My local member subsequently acknowledged my letter, saying that he asked the planning minister for advice on the subject. On Tuesday last, 22nd January, I received a letter from my local member enclosing a response to him from the Minister for Planning. After acknowledging the valuable work performed by amateurs during natural disasters and other emergencies when traditional infrastructure fails, the Minister's letter went on to explain that the current State Environmental Planning Policy, Exempt and Complying Development Codes, or SEPP, that's S-E-P-P, allows antennas and aerials to be erected on most lots in New South Wales to a height of 1.8 metres above the highest point of the roof on a dwelling. Quote, this includes antennas which may be erected at ground level, such as those used by amateur radio operators. In situations where there is a two-storey dwelling, this allows for the erection of an antenna that is around 10 metres high. End quote. So, I guess we're expected to live in two-storey McMansions. All those submissions you sent in should have made it abundantly clear that 1.8 metre limit didn't cut it for amateur radio. The Minister went on to say that, quote, Amateur radio operators raised concerns regarding the code's SEP and the ability to erect radio mast and antenna. Its submission is currently being reviewed and I have asked the department to pay particular attention to this issue in finalising the SEP amendment. End quote. If you wrote to your local member, you may have received a letter from the minister to your local member along the same lines. The institute wrote to the planning department in November seeking a meeting to discuss the issue of amateur radio masts before the new regulations were set in stone. The planning department replied in December, saying that, as they were reviewing submissions to the draft code SEP, they thought there was limited value in discussing the issue at this stage. However, the department's reply to President Phil Waite, VK2ASD, revealed that, of the 200 submissions received on the draft codes SEP, Over 40 were from radio amateurs. That effort made amateur radio operators the largest single group of respondents out of those from local councils, town planners, architects, developers, businesses, community groups, Uncle Tom Cobbley and all. The department's letter to the Institute included the name and number of an officer to contact to discuss our concerns. The week before last, President Phil Waite called the contact officer and had a chat. The officer invited the Institute to provide technical reasons why radio amateurs wanted masts and antennas of 10 metres or 15 metres and to set out arguments and requirements supporting the case and to submit it within days. Phil briefed me on his discussion with the planning officer and asked me to put something together. 
The submission and the covering letter were completed and submitted on Monday 21st January. Copies of those were posted on the website the same day. Thank you, Robert Broomhead, VK3DN. If you're unhappy about something, if you want to change things, it pays to make yourself heard. Are we there yet? Well, no. But keep your fingers crossed. I must congratulate and thank everyone, individual amateurs and radio clubs alike, who went to the effort of making a submission during all the phases of the planning system review and also writing to your local members. I exhorted you to get cracking, and you did. I would also like to acknowledge the assistance of Jim Linton, VK3PC, who provided some valuable background material when I embarked on this saga. The annual great gathering of hams, the Wyong Field Day, is but four weeks away, where we can compare letters we've received about radio masks from our local members and the Minister for Planning. Do they all sing from the same song sheet? The Wyong Field Day promoters have exhorted us all to be there or be square. This is VK2ZRH. See you further down the log or at Wyong. Free DV broadcast. Following the successful relay of the VK1WI and the ARNSW morning broadcast using the new FreeDV digital voice mode on 40 metres, a second test is now planned. Tonight's broadcast, Sunday the 27th of January, will be relayed once again from the Central Coast by Ed, VK2JI, using the FreeDV mode. However, as many of the spots below 7.2 MHz are taken up by nets and general SSB usage, this trial will be sent on 7.240 MHz LSB free DV plus or minus QRM from the broadcast stations. Ed hopes to find a small channel between the commercial stations. Reports of the transmissions are very welcome and should be posted to the Digital Voice Google group list. For those who wish to try to receive the test transmission and have the audio from their rig connected to a PC for RTTY or PSK, etc. Have you prepared for the last weekend in May, the 2013 WIA AGM and Conference? Meeting and speaking with fellow amateurs is a rejuvenating experience that cements friendships and opens the door to interactions beyond a QSO or QSL card. With tours of club facilities and tourist attractions throughout Fremantle, you'll have the opportunity to share your wonder with other visitors to the state and enjoy the hospitality that VK6 has to offer. The 2013 WIA AGM and Conference. It's all about engaging, learning, appreciating, socialising and discovering. You'll find all the information online at the VK6 conference site, conference.vk6.net. Hams Across Australia, VK2, the ARNSW Anniversary Barbecue. Those who have received their membership badge will have seen included in the posting an early notification of an anniversary barbecue, which is to be conducted by ARNSW on Sunday the 10th of March at the Dural site. Our VK2VEC is collecting names of those who will be attending. And the Hornsby and District Amateur Radio Club took part in an annual field day radio contest, which tests the readiness of ham radio operators to provide communications at very short notice and to make as many contacts with other radio operators throughout New South Wales. The Hornsby advocate reporting this story had a great photo of VK2JCC Colin Christie at Pennant Hills. 
About 15 members of the 70-strong club took to the park for about eight hours on Saturday and VK2JCC said that the group made good contacts with areas as far as Wollongong, South Australia, Tasmania and Queensland. ARNSW at its dual site will be conducting the next foundation course on Saturday the 23rd of March and assessments for all licensed grades on Sunday the 24th. Prior bookings are required by email to education at arnsw.org.au and candidates need to bring a passport photo. The Centre Victoria Radio Fest. The theme for the biggest Victorian event held on February the 10th is home brewing with three speakers to touch on the subject and it includes a free home brew competition open to all. If you are looking for good value, then visit and talk to those in the dedicated traders hall or the second-hand marketplace. The full display of Elliecraft K-Line will be on show thanks to Gary Gregory, VK4FD, as well as vintage radios and club displays. Hot breakfast is available from 8am, access to the toilets at 7am. Free tea and coffee all day. See you at the Central Victorian Radio Fest when the doors open at 10am in two weeks on Sunday, February the 10th. I'm Barry Robinson, VK3 Papa Victor, and you're listening to VK1 WIA. While in VK3, Homebrew and Constructors Group Meeting. The next gathering of this group will be at 2pm Saturday, February the 2nd. The venue is Amateur Radio Victoria, 40G, Victory Boulevard, Ashburton. It will include a show-and-tell display of homebrewed gear. Guest speaker is Peter Cossens, VK3 BFG. He will present on the involvement in Melbourne of slow scan television. All are welcome to attend. Across Australia, from VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In VK7, it can be heard on the VK7 repeater networks across Tasmania on MF and HF frequencies from 9am each Sunday followed by the VK7 regional news broadcast from 9.30am. On behalf of VK7 OTC, I'm Peter Lee. Silent Key. Number 1 Mixed DXCC, John Dack, W7KH. Monday, January 7, John Dack, W7KH, of Seattle, Washington, passed away. He was 91. An ARRL life member... Dak sat at the very top of the DXCC mixed standings with 398 entities, including all 340 current entities and 58 deleted entities. He worked every DXCC entity except Demo Dieu, CR8, French Indochina, FI8, and Manchuria, C9. South Sudan, ST0, was the last new DX entity in Dak's log. He worked ST0R in August 2011. John Dack, W7KH, Silent Key. International news with thanks to IIRU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate AR Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, AR Victoria and the WW sources of the WIA. Little Nipper. 
HMV was founded in 1921 with its first store on London's Oxford Street. Its trademark dog and gramophone image is taken from an 1898 oil painting, His Master's Voice, which features Nipper the Dog listening to an early gramophone recording. HMV was at the forefront of music record sales for years, through the Second World War singles, microgroove, tape, cassettes, 8-track cartridges, CDs, MP3s, and it would appear the later digital downloading of MP3 songs has seen its final demise. HMV's 239 stores are in administration and a 25% off sale is in full swing, certainly through the UK. Intruder Watch, Enforcement Zone. LED lights jam city buses. The Swedish National Amateur Radio Society, the SSA, reports on a case of LED lights in a shop jamming the VHF radio used by buses. The lighting in shop windows at a business called Punkthaus jammed the city bus system, which uses 167.0375 MHz for communications and dispatch. The lights causing the problem were LED spotlight lamps. It was found they did not conform to the regulations on electromagnetic compatibility and they are now being replaced. Operational news, Dateline 2013. VK Rosshull Memorial VHF UHF, wrapping up in a day or so after running all January. ZL Jock White Memorial Field Day Contest, Saturday and Sunday, February 23 and 24. Worldwide International Museums Weekends, June 15-16 and 22-23. Special Event Stations, DX and Beacon and Net Advice. With the coming of more sunspots comes more DX, and when more amateurs work DX, the ARRL's Membership and Volunteer Program Department, especially the DXCC desk and the ARRL Incoming and Outgoing QSL bureaus, goes into high gear. In 2012, we saw an increase in the number of cards received from ARRL members that were sent to foreign QSL bureaus, as well as the number of cards we sent out to the bureaus said Membership and Volunteer Programs Administrative Manager Sharon Taratula. In addition, the number of DXCC applications, including those for initial awards and endorsements, also increased. Broadcast Monitoring SWL and Scanner News. Nortel Limited, one of the world's leading broadcast transmitter manufacturers, has received orders for 21 additional medium-wave AM transmitters and associated equipment from India. The orders for 100 kilowatt and 200 kilowatt transmitters join an earlier announced order of six 300 kilowatt DRM transmitters from All India Radio as the world's largest digital radio deployment to date. All transmitters in the system will be configured for DRM30 transmission and will be used in 27 locations throughout India. The transition to digital broadcasting will allow All India Radio to use alternative platforms such as podcasting, SMS, webcasting and mobile services and offer a 24-hour news channel along with other programming. Additional services such as interactive text transmission and disaster warning are also planned. The Q News Workbench, the Nuts and Bolts Report. DIY Electronic Founder Entrepreneur of the Year. 
icqpodcast.com say that Lemore Freed started selling her DIY electronic kits at university and created a multi-million dollar business, Adafruit. Her success resulted in Lemore being named 2012 Entrepreneur of the Year by Entrepreneur Magazine. Lemore started her company in her MIT dorm room by selling electronic kits to her friends, making about $10 on each kit. Soon she moved to New York and in October moved from a 2,000-square-foot office to a sprawling 12,000-square-foot loft in Soho. Entrepreneur says with the $10,000 her parents had allocated for her tuition, Fried bought a bulk quantity of parts and began assembling and selling her kits, making about $10 on each unit. As orders increased, she hired friends. Before she knew it, she was designing a new project every week around newfangled components like gyrometric sensors, solar panels and thermal printers. Worldwide special interest groups, final frontier. Pack your ham gear and move to Mars. You might want to call this the ultimate one-way de-expedition. While not specifically directed to the ham radio community, the Netherlands-based non-profit organisation Mars One has released its basic astronaut requirements, setting the stage for a televised global selection process that will begin later this year. Amateur radio news lines Norm Seely, K17UP, told us that Mars One hopes to put the first settlers on the Red Planet by 2023. The organisation is not looking for scientists or former jet jockeys as colonists. Rather, anyone who is at least 18 years old can apply to become a Mars pioneer. Officials at Mars One say that the most important criteria are intelligence, good mental and physical health and dedication to the project. Those selected as its astronauts will undergo eight years of training before the launch. Norbert Kraft is Mars One's chief medical director and a former NASA researcher. He is quoted as saying that gone are the days when bravery and the number of hours flying a supersonic jet were the top criteria. Kraft says that nowadays space exploration planners are more concerned with how well each astronaut works and lives with the others in the long journey from Earth to Mars and for a lifetime of challenges that would lie ahead. Mars One's plans to launch a series of robotic cargo missions between 2016 and 2021. These would be used to build a habitable outpost ahead of the arrival of the first four colonists in 2023. More settlers would then arrive every two years thereafter. Unless we forget to mention, this will be a one-way trip as there are no plans to return the pioneers to Earth. If you think you have the right stuff to help colonise Mars, you can learn more about the selection process at www.thenextgiantleap.com. South African AMSAT Accelerating CubeSat Project South African AMSAT has decided to accelerate its CubeSat project and expects to have the first prototype version of the transponder and control system on the table for testing by end of February. As part of South Africa's contribution to the African Resource and Environmental Management Constellation of Satellites, the South African National Space Agency, or SANSA, in collaboration with local industry and academic experts, have been in discussions on the specifications for the new satellite called ZA-ARMC1, specifically in regard to its benefits for South Africa and the continent. 
South Africa AM set is making a presentation to Sansa to have an amateur payload included in the project. Doin Kutsi ZR1 Delta Echo last year demonstrated a locally designed space frame. He is currently working on the second prototype. Russia to launch moon probe in 2025. Russia appears to be getting back into the space race. According to published news reports, that nation will resume its long-dormant program to explore the moon by sending an unmanned probe there in 2015. The spacecraft will be called Lunar Glob, which translates to Moon Globe in English. According to the Interfax News Agency, Roscosmos Director Vladimir Popovkin says that the exploration payload will be carried by the first rocket to blast off from a new facility that Russia is building in its far eastern Amur region. Popovkin is the head of Russia's space agency. He and other Russian space officials have said Lunar Glob will consist of an orbital module and a probe that would land on the moon. Once there, it will radio back information about samples it takes from the lunar surface. The last successful Russian launch of an unmanned probe to the moon was in the 1970s. Unfortunately, that nation has suffered setbacks in its space program in recent years, including unsuccessful satellite launches and the failure of a Mars probe in 2011. Warp Drive Scotty the SSTL space blog reports on a warp drive, a water alcohol resisto jet propulsion, a novel new propulsion system that will help the Stranded 1 CubeSat to perform manoeuvres. Strand 1 is the first CubeSat to have two types of propulsion system. As well as the warp drive, it will be equipped with a pulse plasma thrusting system which will provide a full axis control with low power mass and volume requirements. Warp drive works by pushing water alcohol out of a tiny hole to produce thrust. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ILLW, ILLW heading towards a record. The International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend continued to grow from its first event held in August 1998 that attracted 158 stations in 40 countries. Many of the amateur stations in the original activations at the historic maritime structures have been with the fun ever since and joined over the years by many hundreds more. The sponsors, the AYR Amateur Radio Group Scotland, thanks all entrants for their loyalty and looks for another record year as we move towards the magic 500 registrations. The event is always held on the third full weekend in August, aiming to promote public awareness of the former navigation structures and give amateur radio some good publicity. To register or find out more about the next event on August the 18th and 19th, visit the website www.illw.net. This is VK1 WIA. All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions www.wia.org.au Worldwide Special Interest Groups Rescue Radio Tasmanian Bushfires Update Wyson in Tasmania finally stood down after 20 continuous days of operation. Although the two major fires, which started on the 3rd of January, are still active, one being classified as contained and the other being controlled, operations at the Associated Incident Management Centre at Cambridge near Hobart Airport has been wound back. The days serviced by Wyson and other southern Tasmanian amateurs varied between 12 and 24 hours, 
Wyson Tasmania South Operations Coordinator Rod Finlayson, VK7TRF, reports that 24 amateurs contributed to the effort, totalling 666 hours at the radio desk, plus time and logistical support, keeping up the supply of operators to the task. Seven operators did in excess of 45 hours each, including three more than 60 hours and one working a total of almost 80 hours. Initially, there were two operators on each of the two networks, but this was wound back to one on each day after 10 days. Workloads gradually declined and over the last few days consisted mainly of aircraft tracking, ensuring an aircraft position and situation was known at least half hourly. All reports to date are of a high level of satisfaction by the powers that be for a job very well done. Rewind. The Kansas City Star are reporting on an almost 76-year-old transmitter brought back from the grave. Larry Woodworth pulled a lever to begin transmitting and watched as his radio roared to life this month. First came a loud buzz as 2,300 volts rushed through its system. Then he watched the mercury vapour in the vacuum tubes burn bright violet. This is W9 Bravo Sierra Papa, he said, giving the amateur radio's call letters. W9 BSP, Olaf, Kansas, Ensor Museum. For the first time in years, the radio that Marshall Ensor had built was transmitting again. Ensor, a long-time Olaf dairy farmer, high school teacher and radio operator, built the amateur radio in 1936 and 1937. He is remembered by some as a pioneer for teaching others about amateur radio and his old house, now the Ensor Farm Site and Museum, is listed as a National Historic Site and on the Register of Kansas Places for his contributions. But the radio he transmitted on to teach others hadn't been used since 1972, two years after his death. Since then, Ensor's old radio equipment had fallen into disrepair. Work on repairing Ensor's old equipment began after Harry Kraut, one of Ensor's former students, visited the museum. He made an observation that the old equipment was a sorry mess to look at because he remembered it from when it was all in new condition. It took almost 150 hours over three years to get the radio in working condition. They had to replace almost 90% of its wiring and rebuild many of its components. Plus, the radio had to have certain safety modifications made because the level of safety concern in 1937 was quite a bit different than it is today. And now that Ensor's old radio is back in commission, Woodworth plans on transmitting from it periodically during the months when the museum is open. And social scene 2013, January AX4, the TARC Australia Day long weekend family radio camp, 26th to the 28th at the Girl Guides Camp site at Blue Water. January 27th, VK3, meet the YLs of Amateur Radio, Bandura Park, Rotunda number 6. February the 2nd, VK3, the Homebrew and Constructors meet, 2pm, 40G Victory Boulevard, Ashburton. February 10, VK3, Centre Victoria Radio Fest at Kyneton. February 23rd, the VK Wyong Mini Contest University Wyong Racecourse. And of course, February 24th, VK Wyong Field Day with the Wyong Racecourse. Hello everyone, from the members of the Central Coast Amateur Radio Club. I'm Rod, VK2LAX. Well, it's just four weeks until the opening of the largest amateur radio event in the Southern Hemisphere, Wyong Field Day, on Sunday, the 24th of February, 2013. The gates will open at 6.30am, and the traders and exhibitors will open at 9am. 
And this year, there's a free shuttle bus from Wyong Station, along with lucky gate prizes, raffle, lectures, flea market, and much, much more. Entry is $15. Those under 17 will be admitted free. For more information, please go to the website www.fieldday.org.au. Wyong Field Day, Amateur Radio's Big Day Out. March 24, VK7, meet the voice barbecue at Ross. May 3rd to 5th, VK4, the Clearview AR weekend. Details 04296 May 24th to 26th, VK6, the WIAA GMN conference in Perth. August 17th and 18th, the Worldwide International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. October 3rd to the 7th, VK4, North Queensland Amateur Radio Convention, Charters Towers. November the 2nd, VK4, the Gold Coast Amateur Radio Society, Hamfest at Albert Waterways Hall. November the 5th, VK5, Hamfest, Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society at Goodwood. November the 15th to the 17th, VK3, the Victorian National Parks Weekend. And to finish, November 24th, VK3, the Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club, Rosebud Radio Fest. WIA News for week commencing January 27th, 2013. And this week it was brought to you by the Radio and Electronics Association of Southern Tasmania and the following amateurs. This is Frank, VK7FINF. This is Angela, VK7FPAA. This is Alan, VK7KAJ. This is Scott, VK7HVK. This is Warren, VK7FWET. And this is Graham, VK7ZGK. And from Anchor, Justin, VK7, Tango Whiskey, 73. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.